Hi, this is Apex for CAMFM, Cambridge Student Radio. I'm Phil Sansom. Today we're talking about war and aggression. And if you tuned in last time, you heard a little bit about war crimes, where we looked at the Bataan Death March, an atrocity perpetrated by the Japanese during World War II, and why it happened. So you've got to ask the question, is aggression just part of human nature? Well, like all these things, yes and no. Today, we're talking about violence of the meanest kinds, but we're not talking about humans. I can hear you. Awesome, great. <laughs> Hi. My name is Mikey Bustos, and I am a YouTuber, and one of my channels is the Ants Canada Ant Channel, a YouTube channel dedicated to ants. Yeah, this is Mikey. He's not a professional myrmecologist, which is an ant scientist, but more of a professional hobbyist. I, I do several things, but um, for the ants, I run the YouTube channel, and also I run the company called the Ants Canada Ant Store, which is basically an online shop which uh, supplies equipment to keep pet ants. My dream is for ant keeping to one day be as popular as keeping you know, exotic reptiles and hopefully as uh, popular as having a fish tank. He's Canadian but moved to Manila, Philippines about five years ago. And it uh, turns out that this place is an ant gold mine. <laughs> Lots of ants here. It's a hugely diverse hub for ants. They have almost 500 different species, and that's just the ones they know about. A lot is still greatly unknown, and it's only thanks to the efforts of a ton of myrmecologists and ant collectors that so much work has been done. The community is really growing. There's an online Philippine ant wiki and a Facebook page, both worth checking out. The ant keeping community here is, is really blossoming and starting off on a good foot. And one of the reasons for the huge ant diversity is because the Philippines has so many different habitats for ants to live in. There's more than 7,000 islands, and some are rainy, some are dry, some are cold, some are hot. So a big variety of places to live means a big variety of ants. It just so happened that there were so many different kinds of ants here. They have uh, red tropical fire ants. We've got all of those invasive tropical ants, black crazy ants, um, and a lot of great native ants too, over 200 species of polyrachis. Um, and if you're an ant guy, you'll know that these, um, these ants are really well known. And uh, it's just great to be out here if you're an ant lover. On its own, an ant isn't that great. It's pretty much the same as any other insect. Six legs, pincers, hard external skeleton. What gets people like Mikey so excited is, of course, the massive groups that they form. Ant colonies are great, <laughs> to say the least. They resemble, I guess, human cities. You know, it's thousands, even sometimes millions of members living together in a single place. Like if you took the whole of London, scaled everyone down 200 times and stacked them in a bunch of tunnels over about 500 square feet. 
and you can actually make a lot of comparisons between human cities and ant colonies. Ants for millions of years have been doing very human things. They kind of deal with the same challenges that we humans have to deal with. Challenges like garbage disposal, food distribution, hygiene. They, they're very clean, like they have to dispose of their garbage in a very specific location. Um, they all have a bathroom area that they kind of all agree to. Growing and distributing their own food. There are ants that farm, you know, they far farm fungus gardens. Uh, there are ants that tend ant cows, which are like aphids and plant insects. Taking care of their babies, making colony decisions. Ants work, I guess, sort of on democracy. An ant will have an idea and it'll try to rally other sisters to, I guess, believe in their cause and join in until everyone else kind of joins in. And that's it's how, how they, they pick new nests or figure out where to go find food. Ants are so fascinating. The ant colony is there's really a lot to learn. When you've got so many different kinds of ants doing this wide variety of different things, you start to get some weird, weird stuff. When I was talking to Mikey, there was one kind of ant that he was getting really excited about. Well, I had the unique opportunity of owning and filming weaver ants. Uh, the species is called Ecophila smaragdina. They're called Asian weaver ants. These ones, instead of digging tunnels in the ground, they weave their homes together. Essentially like giant leaf baskets into trees. And they do this by gluing leaves together using the silk from their young. Now, it's pretty hard to see inside these woven baskets without breaking them completely open and destroying the whole thing. A few times people have sent little probes up into the passages in the nest, which is pretty useful. But Mikey's colony was a whole different story. When I kept them in my living room in just this big acrylic enclosure, the, these weaver ants happened to build one of these leaf nests right up against the glass, which was really cool because I could film everything. For the first time, we could see what, inside one of these nests. Like, totally inside, so you could watch where all the little worker ants were going and what they were doing. We could see it from a cross-section. Can confirm you can see it from a cross-section. Coming from me, who's absolutely not an insect guy, it's kind of gross, but cool. This was really, really cool. So I will never forget that experience. And that video is always, is definitely one of my favorite. This stuff is great, but it's not the real reason I came to Mikey. You see, the key thing is that like humans, ant colonies go to war. It's not uncommon for colonies to all out fight each other over prime territory. A lot of people in North America and in Europe uh, can run into ant wars, um, just on a sidewalk. There's a, a species called Tetramorium species E. Called pavement ants. Super aggressive, super common, common enough that we've taken them onto the International Space Station. And in the summer, whenever you've got two colonies meeting, they'll fight each other. It's really fantastic because you see them boi just boiling out of the surface of the ground. Sometimes these fights are weirdly like rituals, like the ants will just size their enemies up and square up to them and then the losers slink off and only a few actually die. Other times, it's an ant massacre. I get a lot of emails saying, Mikey, what's going on here? I see a lot of tons of ants just kind of like hanging out in the grass in just big masses. But if you look carefully, you'll see that there are workers just entangled with each other and fighting and, you know, engaging in a huge war. This is just one example of an ant species where two groups will fight each other. 
and it's far from exceptional. Tons of different types of ants will go to war. And essentially these ant wars are the result of two colonies kind of running into each other. But while the wars are all usually for the same reason, they don't all happen the same way. Ants have lots of different ways to wage war. There are some ants that spray formic acid. Out of their bellies, straight onto their enemies. It can injure them or completely take them out. And then there are ants that have stingers. Lots of ants have these at the end of their bodies, covered in venom. I currently have a species of stinging ants. They're called red tropical fire ants, belonging to the genus Solenopsis. And uh, yeah, it definitely hurts. <laughs> and those are one of the tamer species of stinging ants. This one type in Central America called bullet ants, which are the insects with the most painful sting in the world. They receive their name because being stung by them is meant to be as painful as being shot. Essentially, most ants either spray venom or inject it. And then on top of those, there's a few other tricks they have up their six sleeves. There are also some ants that are spiny. The group called Polyrachis, they're also known as the spiny ants. And then there are ants that have really, really strong jaws, like leafcutter ants. Those are the ones that you see in the Attenborough videos, or the film A Bug's Life, that march along in neat lines carrying pieces of leaves. They need their jaws to chew through the thick leaf surfaces. And if you were to, you know, stick your hand into one of their nests, these, um, these ants, especially the majors, which have really big heads and really big jaws, can cut your skin. It's really, uh, really dangerous. But then leafcutter ants aren't even one of the most dangerous types of ant. Mikey told me about the particularly nasty driver ants. Actually, in Africa, they don't tie their cattle to trees because there are ants that can essentially dismember a cow uh, not, uh, slowly in little pieces, piece by piece, um, and humans as well. There are humans that fall asleep beside a tree and they die because they end up being eaten by, uh, by ants. A lot of these people who die um, are drunk, like they drink a lot of alcohol and so they just lie there and then the ants kind of pick them apart. Oh my God, that's amazing. to have pretty deadly weapons arsenals, so their wars are serious business. But the weapons Mikey mentioned at first were very ant-specific. It's not as if humans go to war by biting and stinging. But then he told me about a couple of things in particular that hit a little closer to home. Um, there are ants even that uh, have chemical warfare. There, there's an ant that is known to be suicide bombers. Uh, it's a type of carpenter ant that essentially goes on the enemy and explodes. It happens in the midst of fighting, usually when they get attacked by aggressive weaver ants. When things start to go south for the carpenter ant colony, some of the ants from the worker class have a pretty unique feature. A special gland in their body that produces this sort of sticky, acidic kind of slime. And what they do is they can contract their stomach muscles, which rips the glands open and sprays the poison everywhere. All over their enemies. It acts as a glue, a corrosive, and a chemical irritant all at once. Any insects in the blast zone instantly get entangled, immobilized, or killed. And this is uh, another sort of interesting evolutionary uh, 
uh, ability. It seems weird that an ant would evolve to essentially self-destruct, but it works because the sacrifice helps the colony as a whole. I've never personally owned one and I've never seen it, but I've seen pictures and there are pictures online. So if you can Google uh, exploding carpenter ant, you'll see. Suicide attacks are a recurring theme in human history. People have carried them out for different reasons, sometimes during war as a last-ditch resort, maybe, or as a psychological weapon, often true for the terrorist attacks we see today. Or maybe out of nationalism and obedience to some callous authority, like Japanese kamikaze pilots during World War II. It's a difficult concept that a person can hate their enemy more than they value their own life, and it's interesting to see that it's not just humans using the tactic. Sure, you could argue that our brains and our abilities to make choices are a bit more advanced than what ants can do, that ants aren't really thinking about what they're doing, that they're just pawns to the whims of evolution. But aren't we all, sort of? And then, suicide attacks aren't the only uncomfortable parallel you can draw between human and ant violence. Some ants use a tactic that has been a part of human history forever. Slavery. There's a genus of ant called Polyergus, which is known as the slave-making ant. These ants have actually lost the ability to do any of their own colony jobs anymore, like feeding their young, or even feeding themselves. Instead, they rely 100% on their slaves. Usually a species of Formica ant. That's a whole other group of ants. What the Polyergus do is they send out scouts to look for Formica nests. And when they find one, they conduct a massive raid. They steal the pupae, and as soon as the ants emerge from those pupae, they're born into slavery. And the slaves seem to have absolutely no idea. I don't think the Formica are aware that uh, they're, they've been turned into slaves. You know, it's just kind of like imprinting. They um, hatch from these cocoons, and the first ants that they see are essentially their sisters, or so they think. And so they just continue to do what normal ants do, which is, um, you know, feed fellow sisters and maintain the nest and take care of the queen. And they have no idea that they were born into this world of slavery. As with most things in science, this isn't the full story. There's a lot of debate as to whether slave making or slave raiding is the correct term for these behaviors. The biologist Joan Herbers argues that the slavery metaphor is both offensive to people whose ancestors suffered as slaves and also scientifically inaccurate. She prefers the analogy of pirates and kidnapped captives. But then again, like Mikey said, from the ants' point of view, they might never realize they're in the wrong colony, and they live out pretty much the same life that they would have lived among their own species. It's not a bad life at all. Nevertheless, people still call them slave-making ants, because that's the term that instantly connects with something human we can understand. Brutality. Before ants, 
and before the Angels of Bataan, I set out to discover whether aggression makes us human. I thought, if I could look into the heart of a war crime, one of the worst examples of human aggression, and then prove that animals can be just as cruel, we might be let a little off the hook as a species. But they aren't the same, really. We can't use that excuse. I think we're worse to each other than one ant colony to each other, orders of magnitude worse. But just like with language, it's on a continuous scale. I think we're only worse because we can be. And Mikey seemed to agree with me. The ants are doing it for survival. I think humans do it for possibly different reasons, maybe for power or for conquest. Ants engage in warfare for survival, and that's really the bottom line. So does aggression define us as human? I'm not sure if I'm ready to make that statement. No, <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure if I'm ready to agree with that. I would have to think on that still. I'm not sure what makes us human. I don't know. I would say self-awareness, but I don't think we are the only self-aware animals out there. And I think ants even have awareness, a collective awareness, a different kind of awareness, but awareness still. So I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what sets us apart from other life forms on Earth. Maybe it's simply our DNA. Apex was produced and presented by me, Phil Sansom, with original music this episode from Isaac Squires. Special thanks to Mikey Bustos in that segment, who leads a double life, partly running the Ants Canada shop and YouTube channel, and partly as the YouTuber. Oops, I have visitors. Uh, one second, hold on. One moment. Hello. Sorry about that. I'm actually in the middle of a costume fitting too. I'm, uh, I, uh, one of my other things that I do is sh show business, which is completely, complete. I'm a comedian, actor, and performer. So that's like a completely different thing from the Ant Canada Ant Channel. Like I was saying, Mikey's also a singer. He was on Canadian Idol back in 2003, and his YouTube channel is full of the amazing combination that is. Filipino musical comedy. My other YouTube channel is a comedy channel promoting Filipino culture. And then my other channel is a singing channel, a serious music channel. So it's uh, kind of have my hands in different things. But ants are my favorite. Search for Mikey Bustos on YouTube. Check him out. He's awesome. This was Apex. I've been Phil Sansom. Thanks for listening.